through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Lots of heavy stuff coming up on the program. But I want to start on simply a lighter note in response to to something that I I mentioned briefly yesterday and has generated a a huge response on both our text line and on on emails to me. And I I guess I, I start off by mentioning... You know, the, the Internet, I guess it's just not for for porn anymore. Because I was telling this story, I, I am not handy. I did not get the handy person gene in our household. I'm not sure there was a handy person gene in the uh, Wagner household. I'm not sure my brother got it either. But but I, I also learned early on, when after we bought our first home, I learned early on that, um, I, I generally speaking, household repairs should be left at least as far as I'm concerned to the professionals and I'm not close to a professional because I found that when it came to things like plumbing and electricity and stuff like that and there was a little problem not only was I not able to fix it but typically I I ended up making it it worse so I, I, I sort of cut a deal early on in my life with contractors and repair people and stuff like that that if if they don't do talk radio or try to practice law I promise I won't try to fix electrical problems or plumbing problems or, or things like that. And generally speaking, that that's worked out very, very well for me. But I was telling the story the other night, uh, the, the ice maker on our refrigerator, and we have one of these refrigerators with the, the French doors, and it's got the, the, there's the slot in the door where you can put in the glass and you can get cold water and you can push the button and you can get cubed ice or you can get crushed ice. And the, the ice thing stopped working. But you know, so I'm trying to figure this out because I know if I if I call a refrigerator repair person, I know it's going to be 150 bucks probably for the service call, and then you know who knows. I'm just trying to figure out might there be this easier fix? And I'm thinking, well, because the the water line was still working, I I knew that wasn't clogged up because you could you know you could get water out of it. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's some simpler fix for for the ice maker. I mean, I I don't know. So. I go onto YouTube, right? I go onto the internet and I type in. It's a Samsung refrigerator. I type in Samsung Samsung refrigerator ice maker doesn't work, and all these things pop up. And there's all these YouTube videos. And the first one I go to is a guy who's saying, "Well, you know, this is a common problem with the with refrigerators like this." And what what ends up happening? And, he, and it's a four minute video. And, and what the guy does is he goes there and he says, Here, "Here's what happens. There there's ice that accumulates and it it." clogs up the, the thing where the ice drops out of. So he says, this is what you do. You open the thing up, you pull out the the door to the, the, the conceals where the ice maker is, and he said, what you'll do is you'll look and you'll see there's going to be a, like a lot of ice buildup that's there. And then the solution is you take a hairdryer, and you go in and you just melt the stuff off, and it takes four or five minutes, and you melt it off, and it cleans it out, and then the ice maker works. So I'm thinking, hmm, 
All right, well, rather than, than go down, now I don't know that this stuff is going to work, and, and typically, like I say, I, I make things worse, but it's not working anyway. So I figure, what can you lose? So I say to my wife, I'm going to take this on. And, of course, I'm, she's kind of looking at me like, oh, goodness gracious, what's going to happen now? So I get the hair dryer out of the bathroom. I, I plug it in. I'm there. I, I pull the thing off the ice maker. And, and yeah, there, there's all this ice that's this, this kind of like coagulated there. So I take the hair dryer. I melt the stuff down. And it's working. I mean, it, it started working. This YouTube <clears throat> video actually helped me. And, and it, it, it solved the problem. So rather than calling the refrigerator guy and dropping, you know, 150 bucks and, and having him come out and, and do this in the space of five minutes after watching a four-minute YouTube video, I'd fix the problem. And, and this was a couple days ago. And the, the ice maker, not only is it working, it's working better than <laughs> it's worked in a long time. So I'm, I'm kind of the hero of, of this, this thing. I'm thinking, oh, I, I fixed it. And, and I did it on the YouTube thing. I would have had no idea how to fix it were it not for YouTube. And I, I mentioned this, I told the story yesterday just briefly, and I, I've just been swamped with notes from people who have been using YouTube to do household repairs, car repairs, some of the, these basic things that if it were not for YouTube, they would not have known how to do. So it's even for somebody <clears throat> like that does not have that handy person gene, I, I, I was able by looking at the videos to, to do this. Our number is 855-616-168. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I want to start off with just a little bit of a lighter topic today, which is have you found yourself using YouTube to make household repairs that you otherwise would either not have been able to do or would not have had it and he would not have even thought of trying to attempt were it not for hey I can check this out maybe there's somebody that's going to advise me on this now don't get me wrong I, I, I still I know my limitations and I'm not going to rewire houses or things like that but I was able to fix the ice maker on the refrigerator 855-616-1620 we discuss in a moment this is Jeff Wagner Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, wondering what 2022 will have in store? Join WTMJ on Thursday, February 17th. That's a week from tomorrow for a day-long broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life, politics, the economy, that's my segment, health and more. Big issues from big names on the biggest stick in the state. It's WTMJ 2022 taking place next Thursday, February 17th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by the Bartolotta Restaurants. Find more information at WTMJ.com. Again, I was just... I was telling the story about how I just rather than call the refrigerator repair guy because the ice maker on the on the refrigerator isn't working, go to YouTube and within a matter of a minutes they've got there's the list comes up it says okay problem with Samsung refrigerators ice maker not working and it, I mean it oh this is how you pull the thing off take a hair dryer you know melt this stuff off it's going to work and darned if it did not work let's talk to Joyce and Franklin Joyce you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Just to let you know, you don't want to do that too often because we had the same problem for five years and my husband would clean it with the blow dryer. But when we finally had another problem that resulted from that, the serviceman that came out said, I don't want to, you know, 
I, I want to warn you that you can have this fixed one time free from Samsung. So oh. sure enough, we called Samsung the next day. They came out and fixed it for nothing. It was, But because we had been using a hair dryer, they wouldn't fix the new problem, and it cost us $300. But <laughs> at least we didn't have to buy the new ice maker. So you might want to look into that. Samsung will come out and repair that, but if you start using a hair dryer, if you have something else go wrong with your refrigerator, they won't fix that. The Joy, thanks so, for calling. Anyhow, the same thing happened to us. I, no, I appreciate it, and thanks for calling. Now, look, I'm, I'm not. I just got to tell you there, my friend. I'm, I'm not going to let you kill my buzz on this because I, I'm happy that I fixed it. Now, I don't know if it's going to. I'm, I'm hoping it just lasts for you know a couple years or, or whatever. But I'll, I mean, I, I will keep that in mind. I'm just thrilled. And I guess the bigger point is I, I'm just thrilled that okay, YouTube gave this thing and and it ended up working. Paula on Janesville. Paula, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Paul. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. What do you think? Hi. What's going um, on? Great, great. So um, my water heater went out, and immediately the thought is um, I'm going to have to spend, I don't know, $1,000 to get a new water heater, and I know nothing about them. So I yeah. thought, well, let's just see what could possibly be wrong, and I watched a YouTube video, and I was, I learned there's something called a thermocouple, which I had no idea what it even was. But it looked like a very easy fix. So I went to Home Depot, got a $10 thermocouple, and now definitely the video made it look a lot easier. He probably had it done in, you know, 20 minutes. I think it took me eight hours. I don't know. It was a long time. <laughs> but it probably saved me $1,000. So, yeah, I, and it's been and working. It that was three years ago. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for call, Paul. I get, it's funny. I, I've, I'm getting a lot of texts on this, Jeff. I always talk YouTube. Talk, I always check YouTube before I call anyone. You you can fix just about anything. Well, look, I, I'm not trying to overstate this. No, I cannot fix just about anything. But on the other hand, if there's sometimes there's just a a simple push and a simple thing that that's out there um and you know if you can end up doing it it, it ends up working and and look somebody's saying well this this youtube's going to put out the small plumbing operators well no because there's always going to be things that you need to have the professionals take care of and candidly you as a homeowner you've got to know your limitations but if there's a way that with a trip like paula was talking about if there's a way with a trip to the hardware store and you know you buy a, a 15 dollar part you can save yourself you know a five hundred dollar visit well yeah I, I think you're silly not to do that um jeff i, I love youtube <laughs> ice maker installation car repairs camper repairs toilet installation and eh, see that would probably that that that's that's getting over my head um car key fob repair and more youtube is truly a godsend jeff i've used youtube for everything from fixing the refrigerator snow blower and painting techniques also a lot of great golf swing techniques as well yeah i think that i could uh handle that jeff i often watch youtube videos for household repairs i just completed some drywall repairs i had no idea how to address the walls look brown brand new jeff my husband lives by those youtube videos He's in the process of repairing an automatic window opener in the back seat of the pickup truck. It has saved him so much money throughout the years. I don't know why anyone would ever buy a how-to book when they can just go online. You know that that's that's interesting because 
the I, I've got like the manuals that, for example, that, that come with the refrigerator and things like that. Well, they 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 don't really help, <laughs> you know. I guess, or at least maybe I'm just more of a visual sort of thing. If I get to actually, you know, you can read the descriptions of this, but if you get to actually see how how this works, I the, the similar thing with the refrigerator is there's a there's a filter that you got to change, and I kept twisting and twisting the filter, and I couldn't get it out. I'm thinking, am, am I not doing this right? Well, I, I go watch the thing on YouTube, and they show how you do it, and it just occurs to me that okay, I, I just got to get a pair of pliers. I'm not, I'm just not twisting it hard enough, but I can't break it, so I twisted it, and the, the thing came out. Um, Jeff, um, I did look up how to fix a garage door. However, that was too dangerous. Left it to a professional. Yeah, that's the thing, too. I mean, I think, again, you have to know your limitations, and I am still extremely limited when it comes to that, but sometimes it's the little things. Jeff, I changed uh, the guts out on some of my faucets watching YouTube. It's just like new now. I actually did the same with um, with one of the things on my faucets as well. Again, it's it's got to be really really simple. But this there, there was just a there was a, something I had to replace that was right on the inside of it, and I was able to go to the hardware store and get the thing. Um, yeah, Jeff, I put a sixty inch TV in my garage specifically to look at YouTube's when fixing cars, lawnmowers. Anything. Yep. <laughs> Jeff, I think it's a great job. It's always a great feeling when you can fix things yourself. Well, in the, my particular case, because I am not handy, I, I think, you know, my wife just kind of cringes when, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen now? And when the thing actually worked, and I, our first caller, Janet, said, maybe it's going to mix, it's going to screw up again. I don't care about that. It worked right now. She was like, oh, my God, my God, my husband fixed this. What what could this possibly be? Um, it's it's just a miracle. Rick and McGuanago. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, Hi. I just wanted to uh, mention, I've been saying for quite some time now that YouTube can now be considered the most important tool in the toolbox. <laughs> That's my yeah. little catchphrase. Um, so, so you use it a lot? We're pretty, yes, all the time. And uh, you actually know my work partner, Bob, Bob and Barb oh, from sure. Monaco. Sure. Um, Bob and I use that all the time. Um all yeah. the time uh to the point where we're we're pretty handy but um my family is all pretty handy but we actually watch youtube we jacked up a cottage up in eagle river that my family owns and put a foundation under it watching getting the points from youtube and we had a quote of $27,000 to have it done and we did it for $4,500 and uh wow. About three weekends worth of time, but wow. like but you, you said, I think it. the key there is well, and like you said, the key there is you have to know your limitations. That pushed ours, but we were able to right. get it done <laughs> yeah. and just save well, a that, ton of money. Right? No, absolutely. Well, thanks for the call, Rick. That that's absolutely, and, and again, that that's the key. You, you have to know. Um, actually, a couple of our texters are saying, you know, even even mechanics and stuff like that, you know, use YouTube to see some of the techniques that that end up being out there. And and to me, it, it would just make a lot of sense. Now, the thing with with cars is, you know, every, everything now is so computerized and stuff that with with some repairs, whether it's cars or a lot of the HVAC stuff, I, I think 
well, at least for me, that that's quickly it quickly gets beyond me, and you know, unless it's like, okay, let me try to let me try to figure this out. Is this just do I have to replace the filter or something like that? But but beyond that, you know, with the computers and stuff, I, I think a, a lot of stuff is beyond the capabilities of us average folks. But um, for everybody who thinks like the internet is just for porn, no, these YouTube things are absolutely you know tremendous, and at least. At least if, and I guess my message is, if it can work for me, trust me, it can work for you as long as you know your limitations. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The big game is this weekend. Why not celebrate with a pizza prize pack from Palermo's? Say that three times fast. Pizza prize pack from Palermo's. Tune into Wisconsin's Afternoon News all week for your chance to win. And even if you don't win, you can serve restaurant-quality pizza at home while you enjoy the big game. Get Connie's Frozen Pizza, two for ten bucks at your local pick-and-save or Metro Mart. One final text on what we were talking about with the YouTube stuff. Jeff? You probably don't want to know how often medical care providers review YouTube before putting in specialized stitches, doing various joint reductions, etc. To which my note was, laugh out loud, probably not. Yeah, that's that. You, you do you do kind of wonder if that's if you're you're going in for I don't know that that colonoscopy or something or that procedure, and and right before you go under, you you see the the doctor who's like maybe watching the YouTube video of this. I just. <laughs> Just, I, th- that might be a little bit disconcerting, but the big premise is there's a lot of stuff out there, and it, it's a big world, and as long as you know your limitations, it's kind of a fun thing to sort of take advantage of because every once in a while, you you can, take it from me, you can actually repair something, at least for the while, uh, for a while, instead of, like typically what happens to me, you know, making it worse. So I'm going to take a little bit of a success right there. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Boy, it, it's it's not getting any better when it comes to crime and violence in the city of Milwaukee. Is that like I said? I've told you this before. The police department, to their credit, they, they have a they have an, a reporting thing where you you can go. It's a website. It's Milwaukee Crime Statistics, and, and you can you can track the number of crimes in various categories that, that have occurred in Milwaukee. And they, they also have the number of those similar crimes that were committed at the same time last year, so you can see where you stack up year to year. And then they have the total number of crimes that were committed in 2021 and 2020 in these different categories. Um, homicides, 2020, there was 190. 2021, there were 193. As it stands now, and these these numbers, they're, it's kind of a lagging indicator because there are always a few behind. Um, last year this time, and last year, keep in mind, there was an all-time record of homicides in the city of Milwaukee um, at 193. This time last year, there were 14 homicides, according to the reports. This year, they say there's 26, but that does not include, for certain, Three that have occurred, as near as I can figure out, probably certainly within the last 24 hours. I mean, here's the story. Milwaukee police are investigating two separate fatal shootings yesterday. Two men died as a result of the shootings. The first shooting 
happened around 9.36 p.m. near 28th and Melvina. 26-year-old man sustained multiple gunshot wounds, died at the scene. Circumstances surrounding the shooting are under investigation. Police are seeking an unknown suspect. The second shooting happened about two hours later, 11.25 near 67th and Ruby. Same story. Victim, a 28-year-old Milwaukee man, sustained multiple gunshot wounds, succumbed to his injuries on the scene. And again, this is the the standard thing that the police put out. The circumstances surrounding the shooting are still under investigation, and Milwaukee police are seeking unknown suspects at this time. So that's at least an additional two that uh, homicides. And now, just this morning, here's the report. uh, The Milwaukee County Medical Examiner's Office called to a homicide near 93rd and Goodrich. Um, this morning in the 8200 block of North 93rd Street. And again, don't know the circumstances behind that. The victim is identified as an adult male. So that's at least three more in the last, what, 12 to 15 hours, which puts us almost to 30 homicides. I mean, at, at this pace, the city of Milwaukee will certainly exceed 250 homicides. And and keep in mind, the homicides, generally speaking, the the murders, criminals tend to stay inside during the winter. It's the summer months when people are out more and they're out later that you have the numbers increase. But these numbers are just through the roof. And I, I bring this up because there's a Milwaukee mayoral primary coming up next Tuesday. And I think for people who are voting in that, if you live in the city, the the issue that's got to be the voting issue, I think, for most people is what what is the new mayor going to do about crime? Now, I understand that the, the mayor isn't the one that's out there actually shooting people, you know, on, on 73rd and Ruby or wherever it was. But but I think it's fair to say that Tom Barrett was completely and totally punched out. By that, I mean no ideas and, and really no initiative and and, and crime just continued to spiral. And, and Barrett had no ideas. He just, I, I think, was just, you know, okay, it, it's out of control. I'm going to give lip service to the idea that it's it's a bad thing. Well, but but no real moves to change. I think it's fair to say you've got seven people running for mayor. It's fair to say, be specific, what are you going to do? And there's some people who are running who are very, very left-leaning, and their response to the spiraling crime rate is to say, okay, well, we need more social programs, and we, we need to, to figure out more ways to stop people from committing the crimes in the first place, which is all wonderful, but I, I think that that's something you can't do until you've gotten the career criminals off the street. And there's other candidates, and, and I want to say Bob Donovan, certainly one of those, uh, Cavalier Johnson, the acting mayor, the others, who, who are at least kind of talking tough on, on the idea of, of crime. But I, I think given the fact that you know we change mayors in Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, it's changed you know once in, in a generation, maybe once in two generations. What you need to do, recognizing that I believe the number one problem right now in the city of Milwaukee is the out-of-control crime rate, I, I think it's fair to, to hold these candidates' feet to the fire and say, what is your specific proposal going to be to try to do this? And are you satisfied with the status quo? Are you satisfied with what the courts are doing? Are you satisfied with what the district attorney, John Chisholm, is doing? And if not, why not? And what do you propose to do differently? One of the reasons, candidly, that I think the campaign of Milwaukee County Sheriff Ronell Lucas has gone absolutely nowhere is because... 
He's figuratively speaking been in bed with John Chisholm from from the beginning. Chisholm endorsed him. Ernell Lucas hired Chisholm's kid for an eighty-four thousand dollar a year job, which is what a captain in the sheriff's department makes. And I, I think Ernell Lucas is just incapable of recognizing that a lot of the problems that we've had there is because of the the mismanagement and the quote unquote progressive philosophy in the district attorney's office. And and as a result. A guy who normally you would think of would be really tough on crime and, and be out there aggressively running on the issue really has kind of been hamstrung by that. Uh, just for those keeping track, motor vehicle theft, and again, last year, a staggering number, almost 10,500 cars stolen last year, 10,500 cars. We're above the rate same time last year. And again, these are kind of lagging indicators, but apples to apples, the Police website says 962 cars were stolen last year. This year, 1,018 cars have been stolen. So the 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 let's talk about trying to convince people not to go rip off other people's cars just just is not working right now. Again, a fair issue to say to the people who want to be the mayor. What is your proposal to stop people from stealing cars? Are you one of these people that say, well, the problem is, you know, Kia and Hyundai make the cars too easy to steal. So it's their fault. It's it's the manufacturer's fault that the cars are getting stolen. Or is it perhaps the fact that you've got too many criminals that are out there, including a whole bunch of juvenile criminals who aren't held accountable? A question that I think it's fair to ask mayoral candidates. All right. When we come back... Joe Biden doesn't seem to have gotten the memo. I'll explain. We'll discuss. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We talked yesterday about how it looks like a dam has pretty much broken in that for the longest time, there, there's been a, a split across the country in dealing with COVID and things like vaccination requirements and lockdowns, which now all the new studies are coming out and showing that the lockdowns really did not work as far as you know reducing transmission of COVID or reducing deaths. But, but one of the big controversies has been the mask mandates. And in a number of states dominated by Democratic governors, there has been a tendency to, okay, let's use the mask mandates. Let's put these different requirements in. Well, that, that, that dam has broken. Now, I don't know if it's because of changing science. If you wanted to be cynical, you would say that these Democrat governors, many of whom are up for re-election next November, or who have Democrats that are running for re-election in the state assemblies and legislatures that, that are recognizing and reading the polls and understanding that lots and lots of people are now past the whole mask mandates. But for whatever reason, whether you want to be cynical or not, even in a number of these very liberal states, the mask mandates are going away. We talked about it yesterday. It, it started with the, the governor of New Jersey who announced he was going to be dropping their statewide mandate and pretty soon immediately governors in Connecticut, Delaware where Biden was from, Oregon of all places, California moved to drop their mask mandates or at least set times when they're going to expire. And then today the announcement is the the governor of New York who has been extremely 
aggressive about stringent mask mandates. She's announced that she's going to be dropping the mask mandate for stuff indoors on, on Wednesday. So these mask mandates are falling even in very, very liberal states. And again, you can argue whether it's a cynical election ploy or you can argue whether it's just we're, we're past that stage in COVID. I, and I'll leave it up to you to decide which is the case. But this is what the reality is. Well, so far, there's been one set of mask mandates that, that have not been subject to change. And that's a mask mandate in the hands of the guy who sits in the White House, Joe Biden. If you go into an airport, you are required to wear a mask. If you get on an airplane to travel domestically or internationally, you are required to wear a mask. Other forms of transportation, the same rules apply, whether it's uh, like trains or things of the like. That mask mandate has been in effect for quite a while. It was extended in December, and right now it's scheduled to expire in March. But the Biden administration, first of all, is giving no indication that it's going to allow it to expire in March. And secondly, they're not giving any indication that they intend to allow it to expire, to take it off the board sooner, which, of course, they could. So right now, the one place in the country that you absolutely have to wear masks is airports and on planes. Let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, Democrat governors all across the country are getting the message that you don't need to have the masks anymore, that we've passed this point, that people are past the mask issue. Joe Biden so far not doing anything with regard to the federal travel stuff. Is it time to drop the mask mandates for airplanes? And by the way, if you drop the mask mandate, that's not to say that if you decide you want to get on an airplane, you're flying from Milwaukee to Las Vegas, you know, next Friday. There's nothing that says that you can't voluntarily wear a mask on the plane. I guess there's also nothing that says to the airlines that they couldn't require you to do it. But right now, this is all coming from the government. Is it time for the government to drop the mask mandates for the planes. Governors all across the country are dropping mask mandates. Does Joe Biden need to follow the science and get on board? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My comment would be, it's time, Mr. Biden, drop the mask mandate. If New York and Connecticut and Delaware and Oregon and California can do it, you can do it as well. 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620. Jeff Wagner. Yeah, it, mask mandates are going away. They're being dropped even in the most blue of states across the country. And I think there's two reasons for it. First of all, I think that the COVID, even Fauci is out today saying he, he thinks that the the pandemic, what exactly is this formal phrase? So he thinks that the pandemic is is winding down, that there's going to be a point where, you know, maybe we're going to be able to, I don't know what the new normal is going to be, but that we're going to be able to get past all this. Fauci says full-blown COVID-19 pandemic is almost over in the U.S. All right, so my point is, if you've got Democrat governors all over the country that 
whether because they're reading the political polls or they recognize that maybe the worst is behind us, they're dropping mask mandates. So far, Biden is saying nothing about the mask mandates to fly on airplanes or ride on trains. I think it's way past time to drop that, which isn't to say that if you want to get on an airplane and you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, well, okay, you you can wear the mask. If you feel more comfortable walking through the airport wearing that mask, you can still do it. But do we still need the mandates? 855-616-1620. Jeff, I don't think transportation and healthcare facilities will ever remove mask mandates. I think it's just the new normal. Well, I, I think if some politicians had their way, it would be the new normal. The question is, whether or not the American people will will put up with that. Jeff, it's well past time to drop the mandates on planes. The air on planes is fresher than most buildings. The masks are purely theater. All they do is make hypochondriacs feel good. I don't know about that, but I think there is certainly an element of virtue signaling to it. I don't know that there's ever been any statistical studies which have documented that that airplane travel, masked or maskless, has been a super spreader sort of, of event. Is it any... Is it any more risky to walk through an airport wearing, uh, not wearing a mask than it is to walk through a, a shopping mall not wearing a mask or attend a basketball game not wearing a mask where you're sitting next to people? I, I think, you know, you can make a really strong argument that, you know, we have all these other aspects of modern life that people go through. They're not wearing masks. They haven't turned out to be super spreader events. So why are you applying that to um, airlines and things of the like? Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, well, Mr. Wagner, don't new strains of the virus come from overseas, which is where the airplanes go? Seems fairly straightforward to maintain the masking policy on planes and airports. It's a protective measure to keep new variants from slowing the spread of the variants. Well, okay, so some people, I understand, because your your, your COVID conscience is concerned, uh, apparently think that any time that we're going to be involved in travel, that, that we're going to have to wear masks. And, and maybe that's... Maybe that's Joe Biden's plan, but at some point in time, I think you have to get back to a normal. Jeff, if Fauci says it's winding down, then lift the mask mandates. Well, Fauci says it's winding down. Jeff, I feel Biden's mask mandate will be lifted in his State of the Union address to the nation. He'll then take credit for shutting down the virus along with other great accomplishments. Well, I think there's, I mean, there is a political reason for this, Jeff. I think they'll go away, but it's election year, and that's the only reason that's there. Um, Jeff, uh, I'm going to Disney uh, in March. I'm hoping this is over so we don't get kicked off the plane or the rides. My little girl with disabilities doesn't understand that she needs to keep the mask on. Jeff, drop the mask mandates for air travel. As you said, it doesn't prevent other people from wearing masks if they so choose. Jeff, can the government make you wear a mask forever without passing a law? Which is a very interesting question that, that, that's out there. Now, so far, these mask mandates have been put in place largely by emergency orders. And, of course, you know, Joe Biden controls the wheels of, of government. So you've got these orders in place. And I'm not even going to argue whether or not two years ago it was appropriate to put in the mask mandate or, or not. 
that, that that's you know that that's water under the bridge and maybe before we had vaccinations and before we had booster shots and before we had a huge chunk of the population which has even though they are immunized and even though they have received booster shots still have come down with with covid so there there now is that a natural immunity that's there as well okay you know maybe two years ago before all that happened maybe there was at least some justification for saying all right we we want to have these mask mandates particularly you know on the planes but at this point in time two years into it given the fact that you have mask mandates that are falling all over the country i think it's a fair question to ask to the president of the united United States, where is the science now that continues to justify the mask mandates in airports and on planes? And if you can't show some pretty uh, strong science, isn't it time to let the people of the United States breathe? 855-616-1620. We're back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have you with us. Sensible conversations for sane people. That's what we try to offer here on the show. If you're one of those people who, I don't know, thinks that we we need to like we were talking about in the last segment, that for the rest of our lives, everybody should be walking around in, in masks and we should have lockdowns and stuff like that. Sorry, I'm, I'm not not with you on, on this particular one. I, I think that's an extremist sort of position. But there's extremist positions on the other side as well. All right, I, I'll call this segment Stop the Madness. There's an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal today about how... Moving into the 2022 election season, from the perspective of the Republican Party, it, the, the Republican Party is in many senses, in many senses, it's its own worst energy enemy. Democrats don't want to talk about Joe Biden and what's going on now. They don't want to talk about inflation. They don't want to talk about the problems with Ukraine. They don't want to talk about the problems at the border. They don't want to talk about, you know, the, the failure to, to get COVID under control until until it appears like now, finally. They don't want to discuss that. What they want to talk about is they want to talk about 2020. And so that's why I think you, you see so many stories about, gee, the, the, the January 6th. Do we call it an insurrection? Do we call it a riot? Because they, they want to put a spotlight back on looking at 2020. And Republicans, in many cases, are their own worst enemies because you've got the former president, Donald Trump, who refuses to get over this. And, you know, Trump is out there, and, and he's the one who wants to relitigate the 2020 election. And he's pushing that. And every time he does it, it takes the focus on what's off of what's going on now and what the future is going to be. And that plays into the hands of, of the left who don't want to talk about current events. They want to go back and say, well, remember what happened at the Capitol in January of 2021? You know, remember that. And, and remember, you've got Donald Trump who's obsessed with the election was stolen and all this stuff and all the election lies and all that sort of thing. That's what they want to focus on instead of focusing on, okay, what's the message for the future? And I have always believed that political parties, Republican or Democrat, 
need to be forward looking you know you you got to learn from the past election but you need to you need to move forward what's on people's minds okay so what's on people's minds right now well it's it's issues with crime it's issues with the economy it's things like that figure out where people are as you move forward instead of continuing to argue about stuff that happened in the past which brings me to one of the things that is going on in Wisconsin and it's this continuing, ongoing, it seems like never-ending, taxpayer-funded probe of the 2020 elections um, conducted by former Supreme Court Justice you know, Michael Gableman that's already cost in the neighborhood of three-quarters of a million dollars. Another story in the Associated Press about this over the last couple of days talking about how, how people are dug in, and you've got... You know, Gableman, who is sending out subpoenas to the mayor of Green Bay, and there's fights about, you know, what documents have to be produced and things of the like. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In the context of sensible conversations for sane people, isn't it time to move on from the 2020 election? Now, I mean, I and I, I say this statewide but i but i also say it it nationally all right we're now in 2022 the the results of the 2020 election are not going to be overturned it's not like joe biden is going to wake up one day and people are going to escort him from the white house and say hey we've recounted the votes and what we've decided is that you really didn't win that that's not going to happen the election is over it is in the rearview mirror and it's getting farther and farther in the rearview mirror as time goes on I think it is, and I've said this before, it's fair to talk about, you know, best best practices. All right, should, should you allow ballot harvesting? Should we allow drop boxes and those things? You know, should we have a discussion about whether private entities like, like uh, Mark Zuckerberg should be able to fund, funnel millions of dollars into, you know, public get-out-the-vote efforts? I mean, I, I think, you know, those are all fair sort of issues to discuss. Do we always have to be concerned about election security? A- absolutely. But at some point in time, isn't it time to move on? And from the perspective of Republicans, don't you play into the hands of the other side by continuing to try to relitigate something that happened, you know, a year, 15 months ago now? Uh, while at the same time, while you know we, we've got election campaigns for 2022 coming up, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Every day, when I see one of these stories about you know the latest subpoenas that were sent out by former Justice Gableman and this stuff, I, I just I, I find myself wanting to say we got to make this stop. It's it's first of all from the perspective of Republicans who think they're going to accomplish something they're not from the perspective of you know a public that needs to believe that there is integrity in the election system all right this constant well I'm going to send out subpoenas to voting machine companies because I'm still chasing this rabbit down the hole that you know there's these allegations that people who voted for Trump you know that that ended up counting for Biden no there's no evidence of that. Don't we need to move on? Isn't it time to stop the madness, regardless of where you are, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat? Isn't it time to move on from the 2020 election and focus on the things that are going to matter to people in 2022? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment.
Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sensible conversations for sane people. Uh, the, the 2020 election is is in the rearview mirror. And I understand that there are questions about whether some things were legal or not. But but these, it's not like there was underhanded stuff going on. There, there's differences of opinion. And the courts need to rule on things like, uh, again, whether or not you can have the, the drop boxes. But but that's a, that's a legal question that, that's out there. Um, there's a question about, again, best practices and things like that. But the, the constant investigation by Michael Gableman, I think it is counterproductive. I, I think people who are continuing to be obsessed, and I, I start with Donald Trump about wanting to relitigate the 2020 election, it, it's not where people need to be. For Republicans, I think that plays into the hands of Democrats who don't want to talk about 2022. They want to talk about Trump, and they want to talk about 2020. 855 I just say it's time to move on. And, you know, again, part of my frustration is we haven't been able to at least move forward, even on things that people should, should agree on. I was talking to Ron Johnson the other day on the air, and, you know, one of the things that's still out there is, well, you go to bed at night in Wisconsin, and you think one candidate's won, and then all of a sudden Milwaukee comes in with you know a hundred thousand votes that swing the outcome well the the easy answer to that and, and republicans and democrats and the governor should be able to agree is to allow clerks to start counting absentee ballots early so that you, you don't have this deal where gee we, we can't start counting absentee ballots until the day the, the time the polls open which means that effectively for lots of times we've got all these ballots that we can't get counted on election day just just start feeding them into the machines early so you can get them tabulated in a reasonable fashion and not make people think oh there must have been something funny going on 855-616-1620 frustrating to me let's start with ben in south milwaukee ben you're on wtmj Hey Jeff, yeah, yeah. Hey you got that right. Uh, it's uh, it's frustrating. Um, you know, I agree with you. We need to move out of 2020. Um, I actually I messaged um, Rebecca Cleefish the other day because seeing some of her posts about secure elections, and now I'm like, you know, we're we're kind of past that. We need to really focus on more pressing issues, uh, especially if uh, I'm a supporter of hers. If we um, want to win, if the Republicans want to win, they got to move on from that and. Get over right. it Focus on what people issues. care about. People care. I mean, if you yeah. live in an urban area, you care about crime. You care about taxes. You, you, there's so many issues that are there. We don't. I mean, relitigating November of 2020 is just to me. It, it's just. A, it's a dead end. Nothing is, is going to change. You know, we we know what ended up happening. I just don't ups- understand the obsession that some people have with this and why they can't let it go. Absolutely, because we got the elections coming up fast, and we need to identify who those candidates are and how they're going right. to push themselves ahead of their competition. Right. Thanks for call, Ben. Well, and and, and, and by the way, I, I I want to clarify something I just said. Where I said I don't understand why some people push. I, I, I look, I understand. 
Donald Trump, every time he opens his mouth, or almost every time he opens his mouth, he's still obsessed with 2020. So, I mean, he, he can't move on. So you've got a lot of people who are followers of Trump who refuse to be able to move on as well. And it's so incredibly, incredibly counterproductive. I mean, the reason the Republicans lost two Senate seats in those special elections in Georgia was because Trump was obsessed about the the, the election that instead of... And instead of trying to encourage people to get out and vote for Republican candidates, he was talking about, oh, why bother voting? Because this is all crooked. It's just it's this craziness that is out there. It is this madness. And people need to recognize we've got to move on from it. Patrick in South Milwaukee. Patrick, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, Patrick. What do you think? Um, Well, I actually am a poll worker in the city of Milwaukee, and I'm from South Milwaukee. And there is ballot integrity, but what's sad is mostly all these laws and rules, they basically confuse a lot of people. Like every day we deal with people who they want to make sure their vote's counted, but yet still they hear the rumors that, you know, Gableman's investigating things and it's bad. So I just really wish people would understand that, you know, voting is secure and that it is worth voting. Like it's really hard for me here. And so, you know, I don't want to vote because I don't think my vote's counting. So, I think, you know, that's a disservice both to the Republicans and Democrats you know, who are running for office. What's the one thing you think they could do that would make it make your job easier? Is I, I keep thinking that if they allowed those absentee ballots to be counted before, not counted, but at least begin the process of tabulating them before Election Day so you weren't in the situation where, oh, my gosh, the polls have now closed and we've got 50 or 70 or 100,000 ballots. We've got to run through the machines. If, if you could at least start the process sooner, wouldn't that make your job easier? Uh, well, in a city like South Milwaukee, those ballots are put to the ward. And if you're only dealing with, say, 100 on yeah. um, an election, 120, you can do that at the location. But, yes, but for, like, a major city like, say, Green Bay, La Crosse, Milwaukee, if they could put those ballots in earlier, then there would you'd have the count earlier. And there'd be, like, there'd be less yeah. um, concern yeah. that something went wrong. I mean, that would be one of the best things for larger cities. Definitely. I yeah. agree 100% with you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Patrick. Right, and see, and this never, people would say, okay, why did this suddenly become an issue? You you didn't, you know, 20 years ago, you, you didn't have this thing where you had the, 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 the huge ballot dumps uh, that were going on. Well, one of the things that's happened is, for good or bad, more people are voting absentee now. It, it used to be. You know, back in the day where most people would show up on Election Day and they would vote, all right? And and then it wasn't a big deal because then, you know, you're running the ballots into the boxes, into the machines as they're going on. But but now when you have, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 percent, whatever it is going to be, of voters who are voting early – uh, it, it becomes an overwhelming task to do this. It, these are just like simple things that I guess it frustrates me because I would think that both parties, everybody should be able to agree, let them not count, not pull the results out, but let them begin the process of feeding those ballots into the machine so that you can just push that button and you can get the results You know when the polls close. 855-616-1620. Sam and McHenry. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon there, Jeff. Hi, Sam. Yeah, um, I guess I would come at it. Yeah, I'm ready to move on to here. I, I've never seen a president in so much trouble 
in a, within his first year like Biden is. And then to add to that, I just feel like he just searches for things to get under people's skin. So with that, I, you know, if I'm in that circle in Washington, I'm like, you know, let's just focus on what we're going to do to fix things here and just stick with that because the election is, you know, less than a year away now. And that's where the focus should be instead of continual talk about what happened. Like you said, when you opened your uh, thing up here 15 months ago, just sit and continually argue about something that people are just really losing interest in at this point. And I feel like Biden has dug himself such a deep hole for not only himself, but other Democrats. I mean, why even bother looking in the rearview mirror? Like you said, it just doesn't even make sense. It, it, no, th- thanks for the call, Sam. No, it, it doesn't make sense. And th- this idea that, see, look, I, I, I believe that elections should be all about ideas. And, that you know, when, when you're out there and, and part of, in this case, the Republican Party, led by the former president, is out there touting the idea that, oh, this is all this fraudulent stuff and the elections were, were stolen and why bother voting and things like that. That's absolutely the wrong message to, to send, especially since it, it's kind of, it, it's sort of the crazy element that's out there because there's no evidence that ends, no material evidence that ends up supporting that. So all you're doing is discouraging people. I want to encourage people to go out and vote. Hey, vote for, you know, so and so because the, these are the ideas ideas that are out there and this is what the issues are and, and go out and, and vote and make a statement that that way don't oh just stay home and gripe because well i think you know I, i've got some weird idea that stuff is stolen and i understand that there's people who want to play into this and don't like what i'm saying well okay i, I guess the, the category is as we move into 2022 and you've got elections that matter and are important i, I think the mantra needs to be stop the madness and if I were giving advice to some of my friends in Madison, that the first thing I would suggest is this investigation being conducted by former Justice Gableman. Stop this madness. All right, we, we know what the issues were. We, we've already identified some of that stuff. And, it, and it's got to be fixed, you know, one way or the other. Either the courts are going to rule on the appropriateness of drop boxes or things like that, or the legislature needs to wade in and do stuff. And, and maybe we're not going to be able to do that till after the November elections roll around if the Republicans are able to retake the, the, the state house. All, all those different issues are out there. But continuing to obsess with this, and let's spend money and let's send out these subpoenas and let's make this the headline that is not productive we need to stop the madness and move on back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj oh oh, by the way as long as i'm giving political advice to republicans legitimate political discourse january 6th the insurrection at the Capitol is not a winner for Republicans. Okay, it, it it's not. You can argue about, all right, the, the motivations of the vast majority of people who went to Washington to, you know, protest what they believed was an unfair election result. All right. And you can also then make the point, I, I think hopefully, that anybody who stormed into that Capitol is is a criminal who deserves to be prosecuted. And, and, and they need to be condemned. It, it's the same thing that happened during a, a lot of the social justice protests that turned into riots over the course of the last year and a half or so. And, and remember, conservatives were... I think appropriately saying, okay, why is why is the rioting and looting aspect of this stuff being downplayed? 
and I think I personally was very, very critical of that because it's one thing to have a legitimate protest. It's another thing when that protest turns into rioting and looting, a la what happened in Madison, and especially a la what happened in Kenosha. It, it, it shouldn't be underplayed, and it should be condemned. Similarly, from the Republicans, that's what January 6th is. All right? Sure, not everybody that was in Washington, D.C. was there to storm the Capitol and to try to riot or try an insurrection, but there were hundreds and hundreds of people who, who went into that Capitol, who committed crimes, who deserved to be condemned for those crimes and deserved to be prosecuted. And, you know, referring to that stuff as legitimate political discourse, it, it, it's it, it's a politically dumb move, and it's also not a fact-based move. And, and just like you don't want to endorse the rioters down in Kenosha and the looters and the arsonists, just like that's wrong, trying in any way, shape, or form to support people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th is, is wrong as well. And Republicans need to move on from that, just saying. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One final text. Guys like you are part of the problem. You've made it about Trump and not about the voters who got screwed. There was a time when things didn't add up. Journalists would connect the dots and ask questions. Now you can't be bothered with finding the truth because it takes hard work. If it happened once, it can happen again and most likely will. My response to that was, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it, see, and I guess that, that's part of my frustration. One of our texters said, you know, my husband is, uh, said, is a source of frustration because my, my husband is, is all in on this stop the steal stuff and is convinced that the election was stolen. And, you know, at, at some point in time, you can't reason people out of positions that they didn't reason themselves into. And I, I guess, and I understand that we're going to lose a certain percentage of, of people who are going to become disillusioned, but... Again, it continues to be a frustration. Hey, speaking of, I made this point yesterday, and there's more indications that that maybe, 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 in some very dark clouds, there are a few silver linings. Um, A couple months ago, um, right after the, the Waukesha Christmas Parade story came out, and I think what everybody agrees was a ridiculously low bail set on a very dangerous person. One of the things that started happening is that this light went off in, in some media circles, and people started talking about some of the things that I've been talking about for years. Because, see, here's here's the deal. Daryl Brooks, the, the guy that killed all those people in the Christmas Parade, his his bail was not an aberration. I mean, this has been part and parcel uh, of an ongoing policy by the Milwaukee County District Attorney, John Chisholm, who doesn't like to lock people up. And so it, it's it's this sort of progressive, quote-unquote, philosophy, Let, let's, let's, let's do everything we can to avoid incarcerating people. And, and yes, Daryl Brooks, the six people that he killed, yes, that got national news. But the truth of the matter is, we have had serious crimes being committed on a regular basis by people who were out on ridiculously low bails. It just was never, nobody paid any attention to it, except, you know, guys like me who would just say, you, you got to look at this stuff. But now, in general, people are starting to wake up. I had a conversation with, um, Somebody in the Milwaukee County Courthouse, I will not identify him or her, not not that long ago. And the the general sense was, I I think in the court system, there is starting to become a recognition that the courts, 
started just giving in too much to the DA and to the, the public defenders. The DA didn't want to lock people up. The public defenders didn't want to lock people up. And you had judges that just went along with a lot of these ridiculous bail things. And now, this is what one of my sources was telling me, a lot of the, the people in the court system are realizing that, that the pendulum had swung too far, that they need to start taking more control of this because none of these judges, trust me, who are elected officials, none of the judges, for example, like to see, hear their names on the radio or see their faces on television in connection with their ones that set a stupid low bail on somebody who had committed a serious crime who's now gone out and committed an even more serious crime and and one of the things my source told me is that i think you know a lot of the the judges and a lot of people in the court system are starting to wake up and feel that maybe they've been played a bit and, and that they need to take more control of this and i was giving a couple examples yesterday that the two losers who shot the guy at George Webb in the face. I mean, this was, they're, they're apparently the, these two 20-year-old women who are with two other women. They're, what happened is they're unhappy because their food at George Webb didn't come quickly enough, so they started yelling at the employees at George Webb. They got thrown out. One of the losers goes out to her car, comes back with a gun. They punch the guy in the face behind the counter. He goes down on the ground. They pretty much shoot him in the face at point-blank range, and the injuries are very severe. These two women have now been arrested, charged with first-degree intentional homicide, and they're sitting on $100,000 bail apiece. I, I firmly believe that it were, were, were this six months ago, when we were still not paying attention to bail, that that bail wouldn't have been hundred grand. That bail would have been a lot less. Can't prove it. I just believe that that would be the case. But now we, we realize that when people do dangerous things, you shouldn't just turn them loose on stupid low bails. Here, here's another example of this. There's a guy. Um, there's a guy who is facing charges. His name is Martin Aurelio Martinez Rodriguez. Um, he's facing charges for a hit and run involving a, a death of somebody on January 11th. What happens is the woman was struck while she and another woman were crossing the street after getting off a bus on South 108th Street shortly before 6.30 a.m. The vehicle that hit her did not stop. Um, later on, they identified this guy as being the, the person responsible. So, okay, he, he, he's in jail, but it, it's, it's the felony hit and run causing death. His bail was set at 50 grand. Now, I, I believe, again, that if this had happened maybe four or five months ago, he would have never had a bail as high as 50000 And And the story is back in the news because Milwaukee County Circuit Judge uh, Glenn Yamahiro, um, he, he was presented with a request, lower the bail. And he said, no, I'm not lowering the bail. And, again, I think this is maybe a little bit of sea change because some of these judges are realizing that what they've been doing over the last couple of years has contributed to the high crime rate and the, you know, the increasing number of dangerous criminals that are out on the streets committing crimes. And so this idea that, gee, we're going to routinely set low bails to let people out or we're going to routinely lower bail when somebody asks for it 
it's not happening as automatically as it used to. And again, it's a very, very dark cloud when you look at all the violence and the crimes being committed by people who are on various forms of relief, release and the repeat criminals. But but if suddenly maybe a light switch is going on, and even if it's only self-preservation, even if the judges are realizing, hey, I got to run for re-election, and, and I don't want to be lumped in with John Chisholm. I don't want to be the guy that's let all these different people out on stupid low bails who've gone on and committed other crimes because that's not good for my political career. Even if it's just again self-preservation that's driving this desire to start to set more significant bails, it's still. A good, positive first step. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank is Kohler Services. Give them a call at 262-357-3300 or visit KohlerServicesWI.com to see what they have to offer. From inspiration to installation, reimagine your bathing experience and contact Kohler Services today for a free design consultation. All right. I was watching some of this on YouTube, of all places, yesterday. The the hearing involving the parents of Ethan Crumley. He's the 15-year-old who is charged with four counts of, of murder in connection with uh, the, the shooting at, at his Michigan high school. Remember, this is the kid that, that ended up doing that. Mom and dad have been charged. Dad is 45. His name is James Crumley. Mom is 43. Her name is Jennifer Crumley. And oftentimes, you know, we talk about when when crimes are committed by juveniles, we talk about, you know, where where are the parents? You know, what's, what's going on here? You know, why aren't they being held accountable? Well, in this case, the prosecutors in Michigan are making an attempt to hold mom and dad accountable for this and the preliminary hearing is underway mom and dad have both been charged with involuntary manslaughter in connection with what their their kid did that's one count four counts of involuntary manslaughter one count for each of the ki- the kids the teens that died in the attack at the high school in december um, what you have to prove is that the defendant, in this case mom or dad, caused the death of the victim. And second, the state has to prove that the victim's deaths were the result of the defendants having acted in a grossly negligent manner. The theory the prosecutors are operating on is that the parents are guilty of involuntary manslaughter because they, they had a kid that they understood was prone to, to violence, they purchased a firearm for him. They did not lock the gun up. They gave him access to that. And as a result, you know, he went out. He ended up, you know, shooting people. Under Michigan law, children under the age of 18 are not allowed to possess firearms in public unless they are, you know, under the supervision of an adult. There are some exceptions for hunting and things like that. So the the parents are are charged. What the parents did, long story short, Friday, November 26th, they they buy a gun, handgun. Um, The kid, the 15-year-old, is with dad when they buy the gun. Same day, kid posts a photo on social media saying, just got my new beauty today, a 9-millimeter. Um, mom posts uh, something on social media saying, Mom and Sunday testing out his new Christmas present. 
okay, the day before the shooting, the, the kid is at school, and apparently he, he's searching for how you get ammunition. And the teachers find that. They send an email to the parents, no reply from the parents. The day of the shooting, teacher finds a, a note that the kid had, had written, a drawing of a semi-automatic handgun, pointing at the words, the thoughts won't help, won't stop, help me and it included a drawing of a bullet with blood everywhere okay so the parents are called to the school school counselor takes the kid in his backpack to the office um the parents are ordered to get counseling for their kid they didn't tell anybody about the gun that they had just purchased for him they didn't ask where the gun was they didn't inspect the backpack they refused to pull the kid out of school and later on he goes and he shoots all these people now there's more details about this and neither mom or dad appear to be the parent of the year but the question now is is it too much of a stretch to hold mom and dad accountable our number eight five Five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I say kudos to the prosecutor. This is going to be a tough case because mom and dad are going to come in and they're going to say, "Well, we we had no idea of knowing that our our little darling was going to you know turn out to be that this mass murderer." But mom and dad got the kid the gun. Mom and dad allowed the kid access to the gun. Mom and dad did nothing to notify authorities once they started getting information that the kid was prone to act out in this fashion. I guess I just believe that knowing what mom and dad knew about the kid, they had an obligation to make sure that they knew where that gun was. And the failure of them to do it, to me... It says, yes, they should be held responsible for what their son did. 855-616-1620. I predict that they're going to find probable cause to hold the parents over. Whether enough it's enough to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt is a different question, but I'm glad the prosecutors are going after them. 855-616-1620. Should mom and dad be held responsible for what the son did? We discuss in a moment. Jeff, I have absolutely no sympathy for these parents. However, I don't know that they should face the same consequences after as their son. After all, they aren't the ones that pulled the trigger. Um, okay, well, j- just to be clear, mom and dad aren't fa- the, the, tr- the son's charged with first-degree intentional homicide. Mom and dad are charged with involuntary manslaughter, which is essentially causing the death by by gross negligence. The gross negligence in this case is allowing their psychotic son access to the firearms and so the the penalty for involuntary manslaughter is like 15 years or, or whatever per count so they're not charged with the same thing Jeff, absolutely. This shooting was 100% prevent- preventable. Milwaukee should adopt this tactic in regard to auto thefts and carjackings. Jeff, what did the parents think when they bought the gun for him? That he was going to use it for fun? Why did a 15-year-old child need the handgun in the first place? The moment they bought that gun for him, they were responsible. Well, particularly, I think, after the fact, when you start to learn um, all the problems <coughs> that this that this kid had and recognize where I just can't believe I cannot imagine a situation where you get whistled into the the school and, and they show you you know all the, okay the, the kid was on the internet <coughs> um, and he was he was researching ammunition 
and we're in a situation where he, he's talking about, you know, he's drawing these shootings about shooting people, and you don't volunteer that you just bought the kid a handgun, <laughs> and on top of that, you don't say, hey, I'm going to go check to see where the handgun is. It's just absolutely amazing, and he deserves to be held accountable. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So are you there yet? Are you ready for an electric vehicle? Now, what got me started thinking about this, and we have we discussed this before, and 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 I am. It's not that I'm not a fan of them. It's just that I have no interest in buying one. But but here's here's the story. I have a friend who just got a, a brand new, state of the art, um, top of the line Tesla. And you know he, he took me out for a ride in it the other day, and it's 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 a fine car, and it and it it handles well, and it's quick, and it's quiet, and it's all that stuff, and 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 you know he he enjoyed <clears throat> driving it around town, and at the end of the day, I said, well, you know th- this seems like a fun car to to play around in, but as far for most ordinary people. Uh, who you know need cars for basic transportation and things like that, or to travel in? This, <clears throat> this, this, this just doesn't seem to me to be a, a practical sort of vehicle. I mean, I understand if if you're only going to drive it around town and you want to have a little bit of fun. Oh, okay, I, I get it, and you can afford to do that. That that's great. But for most people, <clears throat> I still just don't see this as practical. Now, now here's the deal: electric cars. Right now in the U.S., they're about 3% of the total. So they're a small percentage of the total. Now, <clears throat> last quarter, though, the, the number of, of, of cars sto- sold, the, the number of electric vehicles was about 4.5%. So that means you know, 95.5% of the cars were the traditional gas, um, fuel injection en- engines and things like that. But, but almost 5% were electric vehicles. And some people are pointing to that as saying, okay, th- this means that, that people are, are ready to go the, the electric car route. I'm not sure that that's what it means because keep in mind, you can't buy regular cars now. I mean, the, the whole car market, as we've talked about, you know, repeatedly, it, it's been, it's, it's completely been turned on its ear because of the supply chain shortages. And the idea that you go to a car dealership and where they normally have 15 new cars on the market to sell, now they've only got five. So, I mean, car sales are completely and totally out of whack once the production, you know, crisis ends and you get back to a more typical thing with more cars on the market, I, I don't know that you're going to see as, as many electric vehicles get sold because I think there's probably a lot of people who would be inclined to buy cars, but they regular, what I'm talking about, automobiles, not the electric cars, but, but they can't do it yet because they can't find it. Um, in America, Tesla overwhelmingly is the number one choice. As the cars registered, about 75 to 80% are, are Tesla uh, electric vehicles. 
But the question becomes, are our people really on a mass market situation ready for this? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I, I've never acknowledged being like an, an early adopter. And, and so typically I need to wait to see things. But I, I'm just, I'm having a very, very difficult time imagining under any circumstances, why I would ever buy an electric vehicle. I mean, I guess, and, and here's, you know, part part of the problem that, that I have with it. I, I've got concerns about how you recharge them, about how long it takes to recharge them. I mean, right now in the United States, there's really not that many, um, there's only about 50,000 public charging stations in the United States. So for all practical purposes, let's say you want to take the car <clears throat> on a road trip, you know, someplace that be beyond just where you could drive for a particular day, <clears throat> you're going to have, you know, you're, you're going to have to plan out, you know, is there going to be a charging station? And unlike now, if you're driving from Milwaukee to Washington, D.C., okay, you drive 400 miles, you need gas, you pull off the side of the interstate, it takes you five minutes to fill your tank with gas and you're back on the road. Even if you can find a charging station, how long is it going to take you to, to recharge the car? Do you really want to sit there 30 minutes or an hour or two hours or wherever it's going to take to charge the car? I, I think these are all sort of practical problems. Maybe at some point in time, we're, we're going to have a nation of charging stations, and maybe you can figure out a way how to fully charge a, a battery of an electric car in in the time it now takes to fill up a tank of gas. I don't know how that's going to happen, but maybe at some point in time, that'll be the case. I, I doubt, though, that that's going to be during my lifetime. And until you get a car that you can, essentially an electric vehicle that you can use as conveniently as you can your typical gasoline-powered engine, I, I just don't see there being a mass market for it. Is it a fun little thing to have? If you want to have a car to drive around uh, town, I mean, I get it. Although even then, you've got battery issues when you're driving, for example, in Wisconsin and the weather's cold and you got to run the heater and you got to run the defroster and you got to do all that type of stuff that's going to put extra drain on it. But I'm willing to open up this for discussion. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. More people are, are, are buying electric vehicles. There's a huge push, I know, from Washington to try to get people into electric vehicles. And I understand that you have some of the big automakers who say, well, we think you know, our fleet is going to be all electric in the next 15 years or whatever. I don't believe it. I just flat don't believe it. 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, in the last quarter, the sales of electric vehicles were like 4.5%. That's that's a small portion of the U.S. car market, but but it's up now. I think you, you got to take that with a grain of salt, like I was saying, because the, the availability of of cars is so limited nowadays. So that might be slightly skewed, <clears throat> but there's clearly an effort to try to push people more into electric vehicles. I, I'm sorry, if if you want to buy one, go with God. I mean that, that that's great. I, I'm just not I'm not there yet <clears throat> for a lot of reasons, including. You know, I, I don't think it's practical to take it on a long trip. If you want a car to play around with and, and drive around town, oh, okay, I, I could see that as being fun. But as far as like a daily driver, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Let's start with Heather in Hales Corners. Hi, Heather. 
Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. You've got one of these. You've got an electric vehicle. Good. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I have a Nissan Leaf, and I've had it for three years. And um, it's a good car overall. It has a lot of bells and whistles, and I really like it. But it's just impractical to drive, especially in the winter. So, yeah. In the in the winter, because the battery just gets drained so quickly. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where I drive back and forth a lot to volunteer at my son's school, and when you you said it exactly right, when you have the heater on and you need the defrost, it zaps like twenty extra miles from your battery range, and the leaf is on the lower end of range. You only get about 80 to 90 miles on a full charge to begin with. Um, and in the winter, it just drops faster. And so I end up having to stop and charge for half an hour every day, or my husband and I have to switch vehicles. So we're actually going to go back to gas. We're looking to buy a new car, which, of course, is the worst time for that, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. no, thanks for the call, Heather. I pre- it's, it, look, and maybe there's going to be a point in time where where, where these problems get worked out. But, I mean, I'm just sitting there listening. Okay, so at, at top end, you've got 80 miles. All right, just, just think about this. Top end, you've got 80 miles. In the winter, it, it gets reduced, what she was saying, by about 25% or, or whatever. Well, okay, it, it, fine. If, if all you're using it for is driving back and forth between your kid's school, and, and then you know you can take the, the 45 minutes or the hour or whatever it takes to charge the thing. But let, let's say you have to... Let's say you have to run errands. Let's say, okay, I'm, I I got to run out to West Bend. I, I, I live in South Milwaukee, and I want to run up to West Bend, or I want to run down to Racine, or I want to, I don't know, I'm going to get stuck in traffic on the freeway or whatever. And you've only got that 80-mile that maximum to begin with, and then you factor in the cold weather and all that stuff. To me, again, it's just not practical. And I mean, you, you can't take them on long trips for all intents and purposes because even if you're able to chart out the path about, okay, this is where I this is where another charging station is. All right, do you, do you want it to sit at the charging station for an hour or however long it's going to take? I mean, versus, hey, I'm, I'm driving on the freeway, got to go to the bathroom, got to get some gas, want to get a cup of coffee. Boom, I've taken care of that in 10 minutes, and now you're on the road again. 855-616-1620. Mark in Brookfield. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, we were down in Dallas. We drove from Dallas to Austin, and we rented a Tesla. The car's a really nice ride, but it was a pain uh, to get a recharge. It, it told you where you had to go and go get to get recharged, but between us finding where the recharge station was and how long it took, it was probably an hour, hour and a half delay uh, that we would, we would otherwise been driving. So I can't see ever buying one, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, I mean, again, maybe at some point in time, there will be charging stations all over. And maybe at some point in time, they will develop the technology where you can fully charge the thing in in five minutes. But we're not even close to that right now, I don't think. So yeah, thank, thanks yeah, for calling. No like, you know, yeah, yeah. No, thanks. For, and I mean, I guess that's that. That's and, and I understand some people say, "Oh, this is the horse and buggy thinking that's out there." No, I mean, I'm just saying that again. And my friend's got a, a top of the line Tesla, and it's a fun car to spin around in. But you're spinning around town in it. That that's what it is for most people. 
other than just a pure novelty, it, it just doesn't seem to work unless your entire world is going to be limited to this this narrow range. I mean, you 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 know you you couldn't you couldn't drive one of these things. I don't think from let's say you want to go to a Packers game. You know, you want to leave Milwaukee, go up, tend to Packers game. You you couldn't go to Green Bay and back. I mean, you, just as a practical matter, you couldn't you couldn't do that in the winter without i mean really risking whether or not you're able to get back because i think the the uh, for uh, even the teslas when they're talking about the maximum battery power right now they're looking at you know 200 miles or something like that less if you've got to run the heater less if you've got to run the defroster is it a fun sort of thing yes is it a novelty thing is it maybe a great thing for a third car if you want to go out and have the fun to do it yeah i mean that that's all fine but i just i still we're a long ways off and the the other thing that we don't know yet is what happens when the batteries go bad. What happen? What's the cost going to be of repairing or replacing, you know, the, the battery when you have to replace one of those? Dan in Elkhorn. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. Hi. Uh, I have uh, my daughter owns a Tesla, and. Uh, uh, you are absolutely right. If you want to take a trip, you want to go to uh, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, or something like that, well, it is a pain to get charged uh, unless you plan ahead. But right. as far as driving in a radius, uh, and that includes to Chicago and back, because she's done it, uh, to Green Bay and back, uh, her car, she's easily gone 200-plus miles with it, and uh, she drives about about 80 miles a day. Now, most people, uh, I think, that have a car uh, probably don't drive more than 80, 90 miles, 100 miles a day. Uh, if you're taking a trip right now, you're right. It's not practical. The, um, how does she charge? Does she have a charging station in her home? Yes, uh, she had to add that. She has a charging station. It's in the garage. It's 220 volt, and I believe it's a 50-amp circuit. Do you so, remember what that costs? Uh, I don't know. Somebody does some- is... Do you know what it costs? I'm going to gonna guess in? around twenty-five. Uh, I think around uh, two grand, somewhere in that okay. neighborhood. Got it. You know, it depends upon where the power is coming from. She had to dig a hole from the house to the garage. I, you know, it's, there's some, you know, things that, right. uh, or dig a trench. But uh, besides that, um, it's uh, it seems to be rather practical because you set it. Let's say let's say you have better rates at night. In some areas, you do. You know, maybe uh, you charge. You can charge, she charges approximately four hours a day to get her uh, 100 miles a day that she normally charges. And she usually keeps about 80% charged. And it only takes, she charges like from 2 to 6 a.m. And that's it. And this is in the winter, in the cold weather. Um, But I have one more point. So I think it's practical for probably 80% of the people that may do a a medium commute. Uh, That seems to be my opinion. But I worry about if you if everybody had a Tesla picture of a city block, everybody's got an electric car or two in the garage. Where, where is that power going to come from? Even yeah. if they hook up, I don't think we have the infrastructure to for all that for all that right. kilowatts of power. Where is it going to come from? You know? Yeah. Uh, no, I think that. No, so Dan, I think to me, that's that fair. is, is going to be the stickler. Yeah, no, yeah, thanks, thanks yeah. for calling. I think that's uh, fair, you know, and, and I appreciate your perspective. I'm just, see, I'm listening to all this, and I'm like, I don't want to work this hard. I mean, I, okay, I, I, I want to be able to get in my car, turn it on, and I want to go. 
I, I don't want to worry about, and this is just me, I don't want to worry about, okay, I, I've got to put the car, charging station in my garage, and then then I've got to charge it from 2 till 6 at night, and, and that's 2 till 6 in the morning. i got to remember to plug this in, and that's going to give me X amount of miles. I, I don't want to work that hard. I, I want... I want my internal combustion engine. I, I want my car to uh, to go where I want to go when I need it to go places. And, yes, I understand that I'm going to have to stop and put gas in it every once in a while. And, yeah, I understand I'm going to have to get the oil changed and things like that. To me, these they still seem like... <clears throat> Interesting novelties, sort of like, hey, you know, let, let, let's play around with these things. I, I get it. If if you want to use it as a, a second car or or a third car and something that's that's fun, but I, I don't I don't want to work this hard. And, and maybe again, that's just me, and and maybe that that's this horse and buggy type of thinking. But for me to be interested in buying an electric car, it's going to have to be a lot easier. I don't want to worry about I can't take the car on a trip. I don't want to worry about if I'm driving around and I notice the battery is getting low, what, where can I go to find a, a charging place? As opposed to, hey, I need gas. I'm going to pull off the road and I'm going to find a gas station and I'm going to fill it up. I don't want to worry about, gee, how long is it going to take me to charge the place? Is it going to be a half hour? Is it going to be an hour? What's it going to be? I want to, I want to, I just want it easy. Life, life is complicated enough without having, having to worry about all those things. And, and maybe if I was ever in a position where I had you know, two or three cars, an armada of cars, and I could just drive the one, hey, we're playing golf on Sunday, I'm just going to scoot up and back, and won't it be cool to take the Tesla? Okay, that might be okay. Otherwise, this all just sounds like way too much work for me. If you want to spend the money, though, go, go ahead. And more people did last quarter. I don't know if that's really a trend, though. Time will tell. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.